welcome to the Office 365 Developer Podcast, the only show focused on Office 365 development where Rich and I talk to the experts from all over the globe coding on the Office 365 Developer Platform. For more information on Office 365 Development, please visit dev.office.com and follow us on the hashtag Office365Dev. Okay, and so this week on the show, we have James McQuillan. So welcome to the show, mate. Thank you. Glad to be here. So we, um, we've we grabbed you on the show because we've seen that you've been a very large uh, contributor to the Moodle project that we've got on the go with Office 365, and which is specifically coming from our, the education team within Microsoft, kind of working from a learning management perspective. So um, how did you get involved with that, and what, what company you work for that's kind of dealt with this interaction? So I work with uh, Remote Learner and... We started this project about a year and a half ago uh, in association with uh, Microsoft Open Technologies, as it was back then. I've been with Remote Learner for about uh, almost five years now, Um, worked on various products um, and projects within the company, and uh, they needed somebody to head up this project and asked me to to, uh, take charge. So I've been working on that ever since. That's awesome. And so... With your background, you're you're obviously a developer. Or is this are, are you outside of the Microsoft field? Like you're not a .NET Visual Studio guy. You're a, a different stack per se. Yeah, my history is in web development uh, with PHP. I've been doing that for about ten years or so. Started way back with just sort of personal uh, personal websites and things like that, and uh, got into doing it professionally. So. That's, uh, that's what I've been doing, mostly the website. So out of interest, what does your development environment look like on a day-to-day basis? I develop on uh, Ubuntu, actually, and um, we use Git for management. We have uh, various servers that we test with, uh, have a um, local Apache that I test with. So pretty standard sort of uh, web development environment. And what code editors do you use to write all of your code in? I write everything in Sublime Text, which has been really fantastic. Yeah, it's interesting. I actually had my first Ubuntu experience at a hackathon we did in in London, actually. We, um, obviously, being a Microsoft guy, even when I was before joining, being a consultant in Australia, uh, I've kind of always been on Windows machines and sometimes on a Mac when I was doing my graphic design work. But um, one of the guys brought an Ubuntu machine to a hackathon and used our Yeoman generator to go and build an, an office add-in for Outlook. And um, I wasn't 100% sure he'd be able to do it, but um, it turns out that, you know, Node installs, no problems, and he was doing a bunch of work on that, kind of building out an Outlook plugin during that hackathon. So it was kind of interesting to see him clicking around you've been to and going, well, I've never even seen this stuff before. I've just, you know, been so kind of laser-focused on the Windows world that I've just never had that experience being on these different operating systems. Yeah, I've been on Linux for a couple of years, um, but... You know, did a whole lot of work in Windows um, before then, so familiar with that as well. <laughs> Was there many of the major transfers? Like, I know we have a bunch of people in our office division that kind of have to flip to the Mac to kind of feel the pain and uh, of kind of making that transfer, the mouse clicks and things being different on the desktop. Is that the similar experience when you're j- jumping over to Ubuntu as well? A little bit when I was first uh, first changing over, a um, little bit to get. Uh, get used to, but uh, now I, I go back and forth between Windows and, and Linux all the time, uh, mostly for testing and um, running some you know Windows-only applications, so pretty familiar with both of them now. I'm pretty comfortable. Yeah, and so uh, Moodle.org, so M-O-O-D-L-E.org slash plugin slash local underscore Office 365 is is the Moodle plugin that uh, we you've built, which is kind of works with Office 365 and Active Directory. 
I guess to start with, there's a lot of people who listen to this podcast that might not be familiar with Moodle. So could you cover a bit of a background on what Moodle is and, and, and how it benefits people? Sure. So Moodle is an open source learning management system that people can install on their own server and uh, have a whole online learning environment uh, set up for them. It's been around for a while now, about 15 years, I think. And it's extremely uh, flexible, extremely extensible, lots and lots of plugins available. You can, you can do a whole lot with it. And we use that to, you know, sort of a, a really strong base, really flexible base and, and build a whole lot of customizations and integrations on top of that. And so the stack is all PHP or what, what stack is it built on top of? Correct. It, it's built in PHP. Um, there's uh, obviously a number of JavaScript uh, pieces on top of that. But uh, yeah, it's a PHP core. And so the, the plugging nature, essentially you build a package that gets deployed into a Moodle server, is that the right terminology, that then kind of these things light up extra functionality for the baseline Moodle product? Right, so you can install Moodle on your server and um, it lives there as a PHP application. There's a number of different plugin types. Uh, so Moodle, Moodle has, I'm not sure how many, but all the plugins are a specific type of functionality that you'd add to Moodle. So you'd have uh, an authentication plugin, which would handle different ways to authenticate. Um, you'd have assignment type plugins, um, local plugins, which is uh, the one that you mentioned are sort of general type plugins that uh, don't have a specific use case. You can do whatever you want with them. But there's a whole bunch of other things that allow you to do very specific things. Right. And so I can see that this particular plugin, the local Office 365, it says it requires all Office 365 plugins. So there's an auth underscore IODC and a, a local underscore 0365 and repository and a profile field. How how does this all work together? Is there a bunch of plugins that you have to install to Moodle to kind of get all the functionality or can they be kind of part and parcel in? Yeah, that was actually one of the challenges we encountered is we have about 13 or so plugins um, just for all the different things that we wanted to build. We have, uh, like you said, an authentication plugin which uh, allows logging in uh, using Azure AD. Uh, that gets us the base tokens to then deal with all the other APIs. Uh, we have assignment types. Uh, the repository that you mentioned is uh, an integration with OneDrive for Business, so people can access all their files from OneDrive uh, directly into Moodle. And then we have uh, we have filters that filter text and change it to, so if somebody puts a, an Office Mix link, for example, in, um, it will change that to an embedded Office Mix. Uh, so we've had oh, a, nice. yeah, we have a whole bunch of different plugins that we've created, and it's, it's led to a, a fairly large package. And this plugin uh, that you mentioned is sort of the parent plugin to all of them that, that makes sure you have uh, all the pieces. So fundamentally, this is all kind of using Azure Active Directory authentication to go into the Office 365 service. Right. And so there isn't currently a PHP SDK for Office 365 uh, with Microsoft Graph. So did you hand roll getting the identity token and the access token from Azure AD, or are you using an ADOR library, or how does that work? We're using uh, OpenID Connect to authenticate with Azure AD, and so I actually I did build the libraries for that. We looked at some um, pre-built libraries for OpenID Connect and took a lot of you know lessons from what's already been out there, but uh, followed the spec and implemented OpenID Connect, and uh, it's it's been great working with Azure AD. And then in terms of the services, you mentioned like connecting to OneDrive. So 
is a scenario in Moodle that you can like attach a document to Moodle, but it actually saves it in OneDrive rather than storing it in the Moodle CMS? Yeah, there's there's a sort of abstraction within Moodle where um, you can build integrations with various cloud uh, file storage services. You can access your files through the Moodle interface. Um, it shows them up you know, a list of folders and files. You can have them copied over into Moodle, or you can just maintain a link. Uh, so that's one thing that we really found teachers use uh, often is having a link to a file stored in OneDrive, you know, like a, uh, a syllabus for their course. They can up update it in OneDrive and have the updated version automatically in Moodle. And we do some other neat things, too, with, with the various APIs. We do document embedding. So if you selected that link and chose to display it as an embedded document, um, when they go and visit that, they can actually see the word um, online application directly in Moodle and uh, and use that interface. And that also works for, with Excel and PowerPoint, too. Right. So there were some really neat things that we could do there with uh, with OneDrive and the Office uh, web apps. And I noticed this profile field. What what particular, what does that plugin do with a profile field? So profile fields, uh, you can create plugins for them that display various pieces of the user's profile in different ways. So what we did there, that was actually something we did more at the start of the plugins, where um, we had custom profile fields that showed up in a user's profile and showed their connection status to Office 365. So it would show whether they're connected or not and provide an interface for them to, uh, to connect and manage that, that connection. Uh, since then, we've moved to what's called a block plugin, um, and that's just a little uh, piece on the sidebar of Moodle. And we found we can do a lot more with that. So we don't use the profile fields quite as much anymore, but they were a really good start to uh, to managing that connection. Neat. And I guess when you're doing this deployment, I can see here that uh, with these this particular plugin, I'm guessing the stats are different for each one, but You've actually got over 251 live sites using the plugin kind of globally. Mm -hmm. Is this typically education schools using this, or are there other kind of main audiences that leverage Moodle? We've seen a number of people using it. Um, I mean, Remote Learner as a company deals with uh, corporate education and government clients, and uh, we've seen a lot of uh, corporate clients as well as education pick it up and use it in different ways. So yeah, a number of different types of people are using it for different uh, different use cases. And you mentioned about the challenge with kind of connecting with Azure AD using the Open ID Connect. Were there other things that you felt you needed to build in PHP to make working with the services easier, like for OneDrive and uh, for other areas that you were calling inside of Office 365? Did you build like wrapper classes that you kind of wrapped in your own kind of frameworks, or were there things that you used that were readily available already? We built pretty much everything uh, from the ground up for um, to, to connect to Office 365. Um, yet the API clients, um, we built sort of base classes that uh, allowed, it, allowed us access to the APIs in a, in a lot easier way. Token management, uh, we implemented. So yeah, we, we, we built our, our various sort of helper classes and, and things to to get, make, make using the APIs easier. And it looks like you've done a fair bit, not just with OneDrive for Business, but also with OneNote. What, what have you been doing with the OneNote interface? Right, so OneNote's been a really interesting thing that we've, uh, we've built with Moodle. Uh, we've created assignment types for Moodle using OneNote. So in Moodle, you can 
implement uh, various activities within a course in a plug-in sort of method. But within an assignment, which is just sort of a generic, uh, you know, graded piece of work for a student to do, you can build different submission and feedback types. So we created a submission type for OneNote where a student can complete their assignment in OneNote. So in Moodle, they click a button, they're redirected over to OneNote. They can enter all their, they can complete their assignment, enter all their information in OneNote. And then when they're done, return to Moodle, click submit, and uh, the teacher can then go and view that assignment in OneNote. Uh, so it allows them to do all sorts of neat assignments, uh, you know, all the things that you can do in OneNote. But then when the teacher is ready to grade it, they can actually give feedback in OneNote as well. So they can you know, draw on top of whatever the student's done or add little notes on the side. Uh, and then the student can go and view that back in OneNote. So we've created a whole assignment, um, assignment flow using OneNote. And so that's been using the OneNote APIs to go create those notebooks and the pages and the sections? or Correct, yeah. yeah we use the OneNote um, API to create a notebook for Moodle, and all the user's assignments are stored in that notebook. We use the API to create the pages, to uh, you know, get the IDs to redirect the, uh, the teacher to the correct page. And we're looking at you know what else we can build with the APIs as well. And so w when you were jumping between OneDrive and, and OneNote, are you actually calling the direct endpoints of each of those services, or have you started to use the Microsoft Graph at graph.microsoft.com with this stuff? We have, and, and that's sort of one thing that was a bit of a challenge is uh, we've been building these integrations before the Graph was available. And after it, uh, after it was released, it was a really exciting thing and something we really want to move pretty much exclusively toward. But we had all these people that already had added their, uh, the APIs and the permissions for the older, um, for the older APIs. So uh, what we did is we implemented in Coda a switch between the two APIs based on whatever the... Um, whatever the user has added to their Azure application. Right. It was a bit complicated to manage the two, uh, the two APIs, but um, just abstracting out the calls and, and handling that sort of at a, a lower level made it a little bit easier. You're right. So you, you, didn't, you didn't want to force them to have to reconsent against the new permissions against the Microsoft Graph when they'd already consented against the direct endpoints for mm -hmm. OneNote and OneDrive and Outlook and so forth. Yeah. One of the things we, we sort of encountered as a challenge is making sure everybody has everything set up correctly, you know, making sure that they've added the correct permissions, uh, you know, have the, have the redirect URLs all correct. So uh, we didn't want to do that many changes if we could avoid it. So we've, uh, we've looked at some of the newer things that you've been doing, which are, are really exciting and, and some things we really want to do with the version two permissions uh, model. Those things will make it a lot easier for us to, to do changes and set up and, and add new permissions, those sort of things. But uh, we're not quite there yet. So in a setup right now, you basically get the person that's installing these plugins to go and create an Azure Active Directory application in, the, yes. in their tenant and then tell them what permissions they need to add? Yeah. yeah, and we have a tool then that they can go and double check the setup and make sure that everything's set up correctly. Right. Yeah, because in the new, as you mentioned, the V2 auth model, which is in preview right now, this is kind of at the, the authorization authentication level within Azure AD. Rather than when you create the Azure AD application, having to go and check those permissions in code, essentially you set dynamic scope. So you, you say, right, I want to make this call to OneDrive, so I need to request uh, consent to 
graph.microsoft.com, uh, read files, for instance. And, and this can be done as and when you need it rather than kind of getting the administrators to set up permissions, all the permissions all up front. And um, you have that notion of admin consent, which means, yes, I approve this Office 365 Moodle plugin application to have to any of my users to have read files when they, when they use this plugin. But also you could have the users individually consent if you choose. But I think in these scenarios, are you using admin consent where if the admin just says this application is fine, you're good to go? Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. So rather than every student that uses the plugin for the first time having to do a consent push. Mm -hmm. And I think that's kind of key is that, you know, the consent or user consent is more around I'm on a mobile device and I'm not controlled by a corporate environment and I'm making the decisions when I install the apps, whereas kind of in this notion of I've got a server admin that's installed Moodle, has installed the Office 365 Moodle plugin and is kind of happy with this being used by anyone that's already using Moodle. Right, yeah, and especially in an education environment where, you know, students would have uh, an account sent to them by, uh, by an administrator. It makes sense for the administrator to know what's, what's all set up and, and approve the permissions, but uh, not quite as, as sensible for the student to have to go and, you know, worry about what permissions they're accepting and, you know, they may not know whether they're supposed to agree to all these or, you know, that sort of thing. So the admin consent model made sense for us. And so I can see there's a fair amount of contributors on this open source project. How have you been working together as a team? What tools are you using to work with GitHub with this repo? I can see, you know, you're at 758 commits right now. There's 440 branches. You've had 58 releases and there's been 12 contributors. Is that is this people that you're working with within your own company or is this external people that are maybe using this and have decided to kind of chip in and, and contribute themselves? Yeah, we, we've had a mix of both. There's a couple of people within the company um, that contribute to this and we use GitHub as the as the place where all the code is stored and, uh, you know, all our branches are, are present. We're completely open in our development method. So, any new features get pushed into separate branches and then put up on GitHub so people can go and see, uh, you know, the new things that we're working on before it's released. And we've also had a lot of feedback from the community. Uh, we've had a number of pull requests come in for people fixing things here or there, adding new features that they want to see. And a lot of people suggesting things in, in issues saying, you know, this is something that I'd, I'd really like to see in the plugins and that really drives a lot of our roadmap, um, which has been really nice. We, we've had people come in and say, you know, I, I like a new, I, I'd like this new feature. And uh, within, you know, uh, two weeks or so, we can we can push that out and have that available for them. Yeah, so I can see here, like in your issues list, there's a few enhancements around having a Power BI to our embed builder and a, using the trending around me, which is part of the Office graph, mm -hmm. inside the Microsoft graph for your OneDrive files in that repository plugin that you had. And then even um, adding support so that Office 365 customers in our China tenant can actually use this as well. Yes. And and so, and those are things like are being added over time. I can see in the history, there's been quite a few of these enhancements come through. So if people want to get involved and maybe want to pick up one of these things to build, what's the best way to kind of help contribute here? Like, do they contact you directly? Do they just fork it and build it and submit it as a PR and assign the issue to them? Or how how does that flow work from an open source perspective? Yeah, any issue that's open there, if people want to uh, take it up, just uh, 
pick up the issue and, uh, and assign it and fork the repository and send a pull request. And uh, that's pretty much all there is to it. And for instance, it, like looking at the the OpenID Connect, the PHP aspects of here, like hypothetically, if someone's a PHP developer, they could come in here and pull this down and just leverage the code that you've used to call the Microsoft Graph um, without necessarily having to use the Moodle plugin for maybe their own standalone PHP application. Mm -hmm. In terms of licensing, that's fine to do that from this open source project? Yeah, this is GPL, so everything that's in that is uh, is available under the GPL license. The OpenID Connect code there may be a little bit tied to Moodle at the, at, uh, at the current point, but uh, we're doing some work to separate that out and uh, have that as more a generic Azure PHP uh, code sample. Excellent. And then in terms of kind of the where the most information can be on kind of setting this plugin up, is that really on the Moodle site on the in, inside that the plugin page? Is that where you would kind of go download the the release and follow the instructions there? Yeah, it's uh, there's documentation on how to install it on the Moodle site, um, but the Moodle plugin directory um, that you mentioned at the start of the show. Uh, provides a really easy way to install plugins, actually. You can, uh, from your Moodle site, go to the plugin directory, um, add your Moodle site to your account in the plugin directory, and just with a couple button clicks, you can uh, install plugins directly into your Moodle site. So um, you don't even have to download the code and, and you know deal with the server if you don't want to. Right, that's okay. So it's very similar to kind of a WordPress type CMS way of adding a plugin. Right. Awesome. So what other things do you have on the backlog other than what's there publicly GitHub? Are there things that you've seen us release from a graph perspective in beta or in V1 that you feel like might add additional scenarios to to this Moodle plugin? Yeah, we're looking at some of the newer um, newer APIs and, and newer features that have been released. So like I mentioned, the, the V2 app model is something we're really interested in. Moving solely to the graph API to, to simplify setup is, is another big thing. And moving to application permissions is another thing that uh, I would really like to do. Right now, we're using a sort of system API user setup where somebody adds an admin account, and then we use that token to do system-level operations. Right. And that was because at the time, we sort of had to do that. The application permissions weren't there. And, uh, but now that they are, that's, that's something that um, is going to make things a lot easier. Now, we're also looking at some features with uh, additional things to do with Office 365 groups. So that's something that is, is fairly new and, and we're really excited about. We're going to be adding um, file support for groups so people can share files um, among group members, uh, calendars um, among group members. So a lot of neat things with groups as well. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see uh, whether you can leverage Planner, for instance, which is part of a group, kind of allocating tasks at that level and whether that makes sense and it's kind of the LMS side of the house as well. Oh, interesting. I'll make a note of that. Because that task API is available in the, the beta endpoint now at the moment. So cool. we've seen a lot of vendors that kind of are creating the tasks in there and people are just going to the planner board and having a look what's in their bucket and that's how they're assigning tasks to people, which is pretty neat. Neat. That sounds good. I'll take a look. Cool. So in terms of getting in touch with you, like are you on any of the social networks? Do you have your own blog? Like if people are interested in seeing what you're you're writing about externally? Sure. Or are you kind of heads down on GitHub? <laughs> well, you can definitely follow me on GitHub and see uh, see all the stuff we're building. In addition, there's some other things that uh, that I do, both, both personally and, and with Remote Learner. So everything code-wise is on GitHub. 
You can also read my Twitter at, uh, at JamesMCQ, uh, but I can't promise it'll be too interesting. <laughs> okay, I've got that. I'll make sure that's in the show notes as well. I love, I love the Twitter description, changing the game up like a find and replace. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Yeah, and it's always interesting to see these different worlds of uh, like outside of the Microsoft system and, and then more importantly, seeing how, how you're integrating that into the Office 365 ecosystem as well. So I really appreciate you coming on the show, James, to kind of talk about that. Again, if people are interested in this, they are Moodle um, house. It's moodle.org slash plugin slash local underscore Office 365. And again, James's Twitter is at JamesMCQ. And um, we'll, uh, we'll definitely get you on the, the project, the podcast again later on in the year to talk a bit more about where where you've gone, what improvements you've seen for things like integrating with the V2 off with Azure um, and to see like whether that streamlined the process a bit more from a, a new user coming onto Moodle for sure. Yeah, glad to be here and uh, I'll be back anytime you want me. So thank you for having me on. Excellent. Thanks again for um, kind of jumping in in the PHP community and, and being heavily involved in this open source project. I think it's really important for the education space that we have this Moodle plugin and, and really showcases what you can do with a Microsoft Graph. So big thank you for doing that. Thank you. Thanks for listening, guys and girls. Make sure you check out dev.office.com for all of our other podcasts and all of our amazing resources. You can also check here for more information on our developer program where you can get a one-year three developer tenant to stop building against the Office 365 platform. We're always here to chat with you on the Office 365 technical network on aka.ms slash office365devpodcastyam. Or you can follow us on Office Dev on both Twitter and Facebook. So until next week, guys, get coding. Get coding.